Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Hello, listeners. It's one of your favorite co-hosts for FMK Lit. I just wanted to say that this is our only episode this month. We're taking a little time off, you know, for the holidays. Also, we're writing damn novels. Give us a break. But we'll be back to our regularly scheduled podcast schedule next month. Thanks. That moment of unrelenting pressure when Pat lined himself up and pushed in. The feeling of Nick opening for him. Pat sank into the tight, hot grip of Nick's body so slowly he could hardly stand it, feeling it envelop him from crown to root until his hips hit Nick's butt. When he shifted, pushing Nick's leg a bit further up and to the right, he found himself dimly surprised that his hands were steady. He felt wild, unmoored, out of control. Hey, Neil. Yes, Claire. Um, today's recording day. It is. It is. That's why there's a microphone in front of me, isn't it? It's true. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you want to do the podcast. You know what? Let's do it. Oh, okay. I feel prepared. Okay. Great. Hooray. Hi, I'm Neil. I'm Claire. And this is Fuck, Mary Kill, Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. So many spoilers. Uh, all the spoilers. All the if, spoilers all the time. Uh, if you've come here to not know how books end, mm-hmm. uh, you have come to the wrong place. To the wrong place. But if you've come here to hear sexy things. Sexy things. And, and catty things. <laughs> and no small part because there's a cat yeah, yeah, yeah. in the room. Uh, both meow and meow. <laughs> I want to be angry at that, but I can't. I know, I know, because you love me so. Because I love you so. But first, but first Claire, yes. what's got you hot and bothered? Uh, well... Uh, I just saw this recently, and I mm-hmm. think it's been a while since it came out, but mm-hmm. uh, this has gotten me very happy. Oh. So a, a while ago, one of the writers for Sesame Street, I think he was a writer slash puppeteer, had mm-hmm. said that, uh, yes, in fact, Bert and Ernie are gay. Yay! And that they are not just roommates, mm-hmm. that they are, in fact, uh, partners. Oh. At least that's the way he's been writing it since he took over. Yeah. And, or something to that effect. And Frank Oz, the original creator of those two characters, came out and was like, no, they are not gay. Like, that is ridiculous. They are not gay. If we had wanted them to be gay, we would have written them as gay. And he's like, they're roommates. People in New York have roommates. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there started this whole hubbub. Like it was a lot of people very angry at Frank Oz, and I think really disappointed mm-hmm. in him as well. And I think he's he's the only living embodiment of the original Muppets, right? So I think that was very frustrated at Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a little bit of back and forth, but then he came out with this. So this is from his Twitter. He says, "A last thought." If Jim and I had created Bert and Ernie as gay characters, they would have been inauthentic, coming from two straight men. However, I have now learned that many view them as representative of a loving gay relationship. And that's pretty wonderful. Thanks for helping me understand. 
Oh. It's lovely. Oh. And really honest. It makes my heart smile. And I think, and he's correct to say that if if they had written them as gay characters. Right. Especially they, in the 70s. Especially in the 70s. And especially, you know, like, based on just the things he said recently, mm-hmm. they would have been inauthentic. Right. And... But that people were able to take this really good message from them mm-hmm. was important. Yeah. And uh, and that Frank Oz is able to recognize that mm-hmm. is also important. That there's a moment where your creation as a creator like leaves your hands. Mm-hmm. And other people take from it what they need is beautiful mm-hmm. and really incredible. Oh. And I was just really happy that he came around to that. Can I share a secret with you? Yes. I just had a meeting of the gays last night. Uh-huh. And I'm going to share with you. I'm probably going to get in trouble. I'm sharing the gay agenda with you. Okay. Is to co-op media representation until we have representation of ourselves. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I get it. As a lady, totes get it. I Great. mean, we only recently took Ghostbusters. Right, um, and it was it was rough. That was a hard fight, and I think we more or less lost it for no um, reason. Was it a hard fight? Honestly, Ugh. the thing is, I think we all realized that the original Ghostbusters was damaged goods, <laughs> and it was through this movie we realized it. Like we were all like, "But I love the original Ghostbusters." Then we went back and watched them. Like, oh, they real sexist. Yeah, <laughs> this is. I don't want to say the word problematic. I think that's an overused word, mm-hmm. and so I want to like. And we talk about a lot of things on this podcast that we have disagreements with, mm-hmm. and we wish didn't exist the way they did. Right. But I think uh, because problematic is overused, I want to stop saying that. But the 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 original Ghostbusters was real problematic. <laughs> it had problems. Oh my gosh! Right. I mean, right. You know, the ghost blowjob bit and. I've not seen the movie, so I have no idea what you're saying to me. <laughs> wow. If I just, like, threw things out at you, like, one of the scientist dudes just has uh, heavy tranquilizers in his pocket, so when he goes over to a girl's house, finds out that she's been uh, taken over by a ghost, is able to trank her right away, even though they were initially going to be on a date. Why did he have tranquilizers in his pocket? Oh, no. Yeah, and I didn't realize until I was an adult, like, there was no reason for him to ever have tranquilizers well, in his pocket. there was a reason, but it's a terrible reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's a monster. Yeah. This goes... This proves my theory. Nothing good came out of the 80s. <laughs> what? You and I did. We I know. out of the 80s. That's another in the con column. Oh. Oops. Anyway. Yeah. That's me. Hot and bothered. Great. More hot than bothered, really. Yeah. What about you? Um, Mine's sort of similar. It's like... It start. I started out being like, oh, this is something really positive. And then literally on the way over here, I was like, oh, I have this issue with it. Okay. So I know I'm super behind, um, but I've been getting caught up on the new iteration of Queer Eye. Okay. Um, I only watch it when I iron so that I feel motivated <laughs> to iron. Because despite how simple it is to iron, I always hate doing it and need to motivate myself to do it. So now I, like, stand there. Also, the iron can, like, steam away the tears that I cry onto my shirts excellent, from watching the excellent. episodes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so it's really great. I initially didn't understand why we needed a reboot of it. Because the original show, like, the the concept of it is like, okay, great. It's, like, five 
very obviously gay men being like, hey, this is what society tells us we're good at, so we're going to show you how to, like, not be slobs. Fine. Great. Sure. Um, But then watching it, I'm like, oh, it's great now because society has moved into a place that we now have the vocabulary to have the conversations that the original show wanted to have. Mm. Like, in the very first episode, um, the guy that they were making over, who was very sweet. He was the you-can't-fix-ugly yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very sweet. And there's one scene where um, he's with Bobby, the design guy, and Jonathan, the hair guy, and they're driving somewhere. And Bobby's telling this guy, he's like, oh, yeah, my I've been with my husband eight years or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, which one of you is the wife? And normally, like, up until that, up until recently, the response is like, there isn't a wife, that's the point, we're gay. But then Jonathan in the back seat was like, okay, let's unpack that for a second, shall we? And talking about, like, society's perception of, like, preconceived gender ideas and all of that. And so it's really great that we're able to sort of have these conversations. Um... And the cast is more diverse than the original mm-hmm. iteration, and they figured out what to do with the culture guy. Because Jay Rodriguez, who was the original culture guy, as great as he was, like every other episode, they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Karamo, it's more like life coaching, which yeah. is great. And he's real good at, like, oh, we're going to do this thing that's going to be real hard for you, but you're going to be able to do it. We're all going to feel good about it after. I still feel like there's, like, one guy usually every episode where they just don't know what to do with him. Right. And he's like, well, and it's like, okay, this time you're the one we're not talking to all that much. Just do your thing. (laughs) Right, right, right. But it used to always be Jay. Right. And now there's a bit more. So also Karamo is just like so nice to look at. Um, Also, he has a different experience than I think one being a black man Mm -hmm. and two being a father Mm -hmm. of, of older kids. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we haven't seen right. really at all represented. Right. And the, I think that's great. The one thing that I like realized coming over here that I wish we could see more of, um, all five of those men, while they aren't just like pretty white guys who can pass for straight, only one of them is. Mm-hmm. So that's great that we've like sort of moved away from that. It's like, oh, you know... But everyone is thin or muscular. Yeah. Like, I want to see a queer eye where there's a bear that comes in and it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do your new curtains. I wear an extra large. Get over it, kids. Like, (laughs) I, I would just, I think that while the particularly gay male community is slowly getting better at being more inclusive, I feel that, um... Inclusion of body types is a bit behind the times. Like in, in um, especially like mainstream media. Yeah, I because would... we men of a size have learned we don't have time for the muscle queens who don't want to talk to us anyway, and we're fine. Because <laughs> if you see a guy with a belly, you know he's going to want to cuddle with you, and he's going to be good at it. <laughs> so I would just like to see more representation of diverse body types of gay men in the media. I think that would be great. I absolutely 100% agree. Uh, and especially when they're being held up as, like, the paragons of style. And right. the ones who know the answers. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not just the slobs who need help. Right. They're the ones with the answers. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think that's important. So I agree. I agree. And I think it's on its way. I think one of the things that is important of the representation that's there is of the five guys that they've, they talk about their backgrounds an awful lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one being very religious, another one coming from a family, like where he didn't come out for a long time, but even when he came out, he didn't feel part of the gay community. Mm -hmm. Two of them are, um, from another country, one of them is a child of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is a more diverse experience, right? And, and there's them. Jonathan, who is I think really interesting because he's from the south, but also like like small town south was out right away, right? And and like the difficulty of that and talking mm-hmm. about how not that that was hard, but that it was dangerous, right? And that he recognized that danger the whole time, right? And I I applaud him for talking about that, yeah. But talking about it in a way that's like, uh that this is something uh, that all gay men and women and everybody of the binary and non-binary world have to go through. And we don't talk about it enough with the straight community. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. And I really applaud that. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a great show. I love it. And I'm not, like, it's not the five of them. Like, I'm not putting blame on them because they didn't cast themselves in this show. Right. But I'm just putting that out there in the universe. So let's talk about books, shall we? Books, books, books. All right. So you picked the books this week. I did. I picked or the this books. time. Sorry. What did we read? <laughs> well, we read. Oh, this title is so long. Love for the cold-blooded colon or colon the be- the part-time evil minion's guide to accidentally dating a superhero. Great. By Alex Gabriel. Wait, that was just one. That was the title of one book. Yeah, that was the title of one book. Oh, goodness. Alex Gabriel. The second one that we read was The Missing Duke, uh, parentheses, the heart, of a, uh, the heart of a Hero, book nine. Uh, and this is by Heather King. Um, yeah. So what was the theme? Uh, the theme was superheroes. Superheroes. I want to point out the reason, because this is important. The reason I picked... The Missing Duke, Heart of a Hero, is because it distinctly said in the thing I read was, what if your favorite superheroes were real people and we put them in the 15th century or whatever it was? You know, like, what if we did that? The the 19th century. The 19th century. What if we did that? We set them in the 19th century England. What if we did that? And I'm like, yes, what if we did that? I'm on board. By your tone, I'm inferring that that wasn't quite what the book was. I am very angry. Let's get into it. All right. Shall we? Please read. Tell me what the book says happened. Tell me what the book says happened. (laughs) Please. (laughs) The Missing Duke, The Heart of a Hero, Book Nine, by Heather King. When his father dies, Lord Adam Bateman refuses to succeed to the dukedom, which rightly belongs to his missing elder brother. Whilst performing secret and sensitive missions for the Duke of Wellington, he continues his efforts to find his twin. The search has become Adam's all-consuming passion, leaving no time for affairs of the heart. Miss Lucy Mercier is also seeking answers. Her father, a tailor, has been used to to make hot air balloons for various noble patrons, that's a weirdly phrased sentence, including Lord Adam's sire. Believing the deceased Duke of Wardley had been involved in her papa's failure to return from the continent, she takes employment in Lord Adam's household in order to discover the truth. 
then she accompanies him on an important commission for the Allied army and finds herself having to guard against a growing attraction for a man she knows she can never have. Are the two disappearances connected, and will two heads prove better than one in pursuit of answers? Will Adam and Lucy find true happiness together, or will the past and their different stations rise to keep them apart? Although part of a loosely connected series, this Regency novel can be read on its own. So that's what the book says happened. That is what the book says happened. I'm so angry. But let me tell you what actually happened. So Claire, uh-huh. what actually happened? Okay. Premise. I want to go back to this premise, the superhero premise. It is very, this superhero, the reason I picked this book was the superhero premise. That superheroes were in this other time period. And that this guy, okay, it's Batman. It's Batman because it's B-A-T-E-M-A. So I know that's Bateman or can be Bateman, but it can also be Batman. But also it's obviously supposed to be Batman. Right. Also his name is Adam. It's Adam Batman. But, Adam Batman, and then we find out that his estate is called Gothelming. Gothelming. Yeah. Like so, it's Gotham. Yes. But that's the name of his ancestral estate. Very angry because that Tell is me. not what happens in this. What this was was some other romance novel mm-hmm. that was the, this writer was hired on to be a part of this series. Where I think there's a lot of different writers. And they, she just did a word replace and just like smashed in Bateman and then decided this one place would be called Gothaming. And that is all. This is, uh, okay, I get it. After like reading it for a while, I was like, oh, yeah, they couldn't just take like this other property, the Batman property, and just transpose it because it's, you know, trademarked. Copyright infringement. And copyright and like Marvel, like it's it's DC. It's not DC. Marvel. I apologize. It's DC. <laughs> don't don't add us, please. Ugh. I don't need that. But so you couldn't take a property and just transpose it and use those storylines as your right. own. I one hundred percent get that. Right. But with this, if no one told me it was meant to be superheroes, I wouldn't have thought it. At all. No, not at all. There is nothing in here. Also, so it took my expectations, and uh, which ruined the book for me. Mm-hmm. The book itself did a good job of trying to ruin it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, like, <laughs> that setting up that expectation, like, here's your favorite superheroes transposed into this other time and made into real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what happened at all. That's not what happened and at all. And we have never had a book that completely fucked with us like that. <laughs> like, uh, like they did it wrong, or they yeah. were just like, oh, he sure, he plays football, but he's actually never going to play football. Sure. I could say that's a little bit of trickery or whatever, but this right, one, right. this it was mean. Like, this is like, yeah. to here, buy this book that has is not actually at all what you want. And that was very upsetting yeah. for me. Um, so, and so a lot of what I'm going to talk about in this in this is going to probably end up me being, and that's not what Batman would do at all. Great, I look forward to that. Very sorry, also, everybody. I I personally am not a huge superhero fan, and when I am, it's mostly Marvel. So, like, I only tangentially know 
Batman. Mm-hmm. But even I was like, this isn't Batman. No. His mom's still alive. Yeah. And Batman's thing is his parents are dead. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is Batman's that's his, thing. That's his only thing. That and money. That and money. Which this guy has money. Yeah, but, but he also didn't have a secret these... fucking identity. No. I was like, at least, at the very least, that's not something you're stealing from from the comic books. He could absolutely have just been this lord who, in the evening times, mm-hmm. donned a darker costume and stopped burglaries. Yeah. He could have done that. But no, like when he finally said, I'm going to go to Gothaming because mm-hmm. he was in one estate. He was going to the next one. Yeah. When he told that to people, it's like, finally, finally, we're going to get some Dark Knight shit up in here. And what happened? Oh, fucking nothing. In fact, uh, I don't want to get into the whole tub situation again where I'm yelling <laughs> about just filling up a bathtub. <laughs> nothing happened he goes to gothaming and okay okay i'm sorry let's start what happens in this can i interject real fast i wrote down a note um so there's a prologue which Uh is too long but something exciting happens in the prologue and then when the book starts it's i wrote a note to myself page 63 nothing has happened and then something happens shortly after that but like it's 63 pages before anything happens. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I also, sorry, if I may, real fast, I had a quote from the beginning. It's like, on the first page of the first chapter, this is a quote, no doubt that sounds the stuff of madness to you, but I assure you there is no necessity to have me committed to bedlam. And I wrote the note, this is going to be a long book. <laughs> uh, they couldn't okay. even say Arkham. They couldn't even fucking say Arkham. Which is also a real place. Yeah. But this was set in England, so I get it. Anyway. But Arkham sounds like a British name. Well, I think it was originally because it was part of, like, the settlers. Anyway. Anyway. So what happens? What happens? What happens? Okay. So, okay, let's start with the prologue. Yes. So the thing that happens in the prologue is Mm -hmm. there's uh, twin boys Mm -hmm. who are uh, sons of a lord. A duke. A duke or whatever. I don't know. Things... Um, the right, because there's Wardley. the mis- right. So there's these twin boys. They're young, and their keepers are taking them out to like a park or whatever mm-hmm. uh, for a little like fun time. Uh, and it's a lady and a groomsman and some other dude, and they're just all they're just taking care of the kids for the day, eating cheesecake. Uh, she, for some reason, like one of the boys doesn't care so much about. Uh, going about and doing things, just wants to sit and eat cake, and the other one wants to see things, so she takes him out to go see things, and when they get back, the other kid is gone, and he's gone forever now. He's missing. He's missing. Uh, and that is how the book starts. One, uh, twin boys, one of them goes missing. Yeah. And, and he's the older twin. Right, so he's supposed to be the duke. Yeah, he's the heir. Right, he's the heir to whatever it is. Wellington or Wilmington or something. Anyway. Woodley. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> listeners, Claire just had a like, I don't give a fuck face with a shrug. It was the best. <laughs> so then we, when we scoot ahead to where the book starts, the the twin that didn't get missing is now a grown man, <laughs> Lord Adam Bateman. Lord Adam Bateman, and he's talking with his secretary Lucian, 
And Lucian is sort of pressed. So what we find out is that prologue was just pretty much what he was saying, what Adam was saying to Lucian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Lucian starts questioning him more about the missing things and uh, or the missing kid and what was going on that day. And Adam is like, oh, why are you so interested? And he's like, oh, well, I'm your secretary. I, you said you were trying to find him, so maybe I can help. And he's like, yeah, great. That would be awesome. And here is where the book went awry. Like, up until this point, I was actually on board. Like, I was like, it okay. It was a little long already. It was a little long, but I was, I was like, fine. But yeah, Missing this Kid. Is, this is the story. This is where we are. There's, mm-hmm. It goes with this title. It's fine. Now, here he is talking with his secretary. I'm wondering which is Lucian, the Robin character. Or the Alfred character. Right, because they still have all these expectations right, for Because it very specifically says it's your favorite superheroes from your childhood. Exactly. And it's Lord Adam Batman. Right. The, like, the expectations are there. So high. So, I'm... So I'm seeing like, oh, is this character, you know, is this one Robin? Mm-hmm. Is like what I'm saying. And and immediately Lucian says, oh, have you ever tried to track down the nurse and the groomsman who were there that day? And Lord Adam Bateman says, no, that's a good idea. Out. I was out. I was fucking out. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. He spent the last two decades trying to track down his missing brother, and he never, ever thought to ask the people who were fucking there? Yeah. One, everybody knows Batman is the world's greatest detective. Yeah. That is how he is sold as. He's also a guy who dresses up in a bat costume and roams around in the evening. But yes, he is the world's greatest detective. Uh, this man is not the world's greatest detective. He's a a, fucking idiot. He's a dum-dum. Oh, my God. And he was a dum-dum the whole book. This was just a series of dumb events. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Lemony Snicket knockoff. uh, A series of dumb events. So then... So then Lucian leaves him to go uh, talk to his brother, who's a tailor, and maybe has information because tailors know things. I think this is dumb, but whatever, I'm on board. <laughs> we follow Lucian to his, uh, to his home. Meanwhile, uh, Lord Batman, who I'm going to continue calling Batman, even though I know it says Bateman. Yeah, yeah. Lord Batman absolutely is like, that kid was hot. Uh, uh-huh. His eyelashes are super fine, and I'm like all into him. But that's weird because I'm a dude, and he's a dude, and I'm not normally into that. Oh well. And I'm thinking like, oh, is this the gay one? Did no, right away. I'm like, Lucian's a woman. Well, and I I picked up on that pretty quickly. I'm yeah, like, Lucian's a woman. The next dumb thing that happens directly after <laughs> Lucian leaves. <laughs> Luc- <laughs> Lucian's walking down the street, and he sees this guy approaching, and he's like. That guy looks like Lord Batman. How funny. I was like, fuck you, book. Fuck you, book. Fuck you, fuck book. You, book. He even does the same gesture, like a little grab his ear or yeah, something yeah, yeah. gesture. It's like, he looks like Batman. And he's talking with that older man about balloons. And Lord Batman's dad was a balloon enthusiast. What an interesting coincidence. I was so fucking pissed. Uh, I, like if we were, if this wasn't a signed reading, I would have thrown the book against the wall, damned my Kindle because I was so angry. Pull that fucking shit on me. Narrative, 
Get get the fuck out. So this is my chapter two that Claire is ready to burn the book. I was so upset. So now we follow <laughs> Lucian to his home where he's going to talk to his brother and, you know, whatever. And, of course, that's where we find out that Lucian is actually Lucy, a lady who's in pants and her her folks, her mother and her brother are not okay with this. And she's decided to be the secretary to Lord Batman because she's looking for her missing father. Mm-hmm. And... Lord Batman's father was the last person that her father talked to. Can I read that? This a little interaction that she oh, yeah, has with yeah, the yeah, brother because yeah. he forbids her to do something, probably go back or wear pants or whatever. And she says, "As for forbidding me, do you not care what happened to Papa? We agreed. Since you are far, far better qualified to continue the business in his stead, I took on the task of discovering." Uh, if I could, if the Duke of Wardley had anything to do with Papa's disappearance. It might not suit your sense of propriety, Gilbert, but I assure you I am well able to take care of myself. And I wrote, hey, awkward exposition. Yeah, it would be awkward exposition if she didn't say that every other fucking page. Every other fucking... So the... Oh, I'm wearing pants! What a... What a scandal I am! What a scandal! To wear pants! Um, the, the tenuous connection is that the former Duke of Wardley was a balloon enthusiast and Lucy's father would supply the fabric mm-hmm. for his balloons. Yep. And there was some other guy kind of involved. Like there was a guy who designed the balloons. Yes. And then the tailor, uh-huh. Mr. Mercier, and then the Duke, and they would like make balloons together. Yep. And then the Duke and the father have vanished. Well, no. Well, the Duke didn't vanish. The Duke died. The Duke died. The the, the brother the, and the father vanished. Yes. Uh, more or less at the same time. <laughs> Even though it actually seems like the father disappeared later. He, was, he there, was w- like, there was like a 10-year weird gap in there that I wasn't quite sure that right. the author he, actually had a good timeline on. He went to France, like just at the kickoff of the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. And then he never came back. Right. And he goes yeah. to France for like silks or whatever. Silks or whatever. Anyway. So then what happens? Nothing for 60 more pages. Nothing. Then what happens is actually one of the worst scenes in the book. There are a lot of terrible scenes in this mm-hmm. book, but this scene was awful. So Lucy, her mother, and her brother sit down to talk about dear missing papa and uh-huh. how much she is working hard to get him back. Mm-hmm. This is We see the whole scene. There mm-hmm. is no, like, also other stuff happen we don't see. We see them sit down to talk. We hear them have the conversation. And then Lucy gets up to leave to be Lucian again with Lord Adam Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, that's the, that's the series of events. When she gets back to Lord Adam Batman, she says, oh, her brother did have information, and here it is. And I was like, no, we fucking didn't. We were there for that entire conversation. <laughs> that didn't happen. You were either fucking making things up, or you knew that information already, right. and you're and a it bitch. Was, and it was something dumb like, go talk to this guy at the bar. Right. Like, uh, it was It was insane. It was, yeah, it was so dumb. At which point, Lord Adam Batman's like, okay, but now I've got this thing. We have to pick up this opera singer uh, and take her to her boat. Uh, to Paris. Madame Grancini. Madame Grancini to her boat. We pick up this lovely lady. She's obviously a spy. Uh, and then uh, then the only exciting thing happens where mm-hmm. they're attacked by pirates. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but see, here's the thing. They go from London. They pick her up in London, and then they take a carriage to Dover. Uh-huh. And it explains in great detail the voyage to Dover. The boring-ass voyage to Dover. happens. Nobody says anything. Nothing happens. We just talk about how lovely and comfortable the bed was. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> but then they get attacked. Look, they don't even have a chance to fall in love more. Like... I have no reason to believe that Lord Adam is interesting at all because no. he says and does nothing. Uh, I have no reason to believe Lucy is interesting because even though I'm in her head the most, nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. So far, I like the opera singer okay. Yeah. Because I like the idea that quite possibly she's not who she says she is. And right? she's having sex with both Napoleon and Lord Wellington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, it's alluded that she may have been one of Napoleon's lovers. So, like, maybe she's a spy for the French. But who knows? Yeah. I, I wish this book was about her. Yeah. But it, evidently, oh, we're not allowed. I do, too. Anyway, oh, so we finally get her to fucking Dover. We find There's a there's a pirates thing, pirates attack. And for a second, mm-hmm. it's interesting because who knows what's going to happen. Because Lucy has also discovered that um, Madame Grancini, or La Grancini, mm-hmm. is escorting a trunk of money to the Duke of Wellington to help fund reestablishing France. Yes. Um, but it's, like, kind of illegal. Oh, I think it's always illegal to transport money across borders without telling people. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> even, even though it's from, like... I mean, like, as I, I, my French history isn't the best. Is there a French government at this point still uh, or are I, they trying to reestablish it i think they're they trying to reestablish don't. it well napoleon's gonna come back in a little bit yeah right so but in in the interim like the duke of wellington is kind of ish running the country yeah, something like in that. a way but they're like smuggling him money but then there's a bit that's like oh lucy doesn't know it's like oh is lord adam batman smuggling money to the french to the supporters of napoleon to help oust the british like i don't know what's going on yeah and that could have been totally interesting if it wasn't obviously mcguffin 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 mcguffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. here's things like uh, we were tracking the money for a little bit and i thought this is going to be interesting because we're supposed that's what i'm supposed to be paying attention to they keep mentioning this chest of money mm-hmm. over and over they're yeah. mentioning this chest of money and they've, I think that we're supposed to track it mm-hmm. we are not yeah. pay no attention to the money yeah they go into like it's hidden in a hidden compartment in the carriage when they get to Calais they have to like bribe people to get it through customs without being inspected right and they have to separate it out into other things and why we spent time on it if it doesn't matter at all I didn't I because was, as soon as they get to Calais then we follow them all the way to Paris where mm-hmm. nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then no spies. No the, spies. It doesn't done matter that anyone is a spy ever again. Nope, done And spies. we know how I feel about being disappointed when there's talk of spies and then it's taken away. Yeah, I know. And partway through the book, I was like... And this is like, like the first half... Within the first quarter and of the book. the first part of the book, I was like, well, at least Neil will be happy because there's spies. And yeah. then there's like fucking no spies. There are no spies. Like, they, they didn't spy. They never spied. They never spied. They smuggled some money in. Got it to where it needed to go, and then all of a sudden, Lucy's like, "I'm just gonna hang out in Paris with right. La Grancini as a and lady." Then it turns into an extremely normal, boring Regency just romance novel where cutter. it's just all about going to balls and Ugh. whatever. And and so here's the dumbest part of this book. So, uh, Lucian slash Lucy mm-hmm. obviously had a. Uh, Lord Adam Batman 100% believed that young Lucian was a man. 
an attractive man, mm-hmm. but a man nonetheless. But he's the only one. Nobody else was fucking fooled. No. There was not a single other person who was fooled. Everybody else was like, Ma- uh, Madame Garcini was like, oh, no, you're a lady. Yeah. I can tell right away. It was that I was, was upset that she couldn't tell she was a lady because uh, Madame is in the theater. Right. And has seen this getup before. Well, she did say... there. So, the, a chapter ends... The um, Lucy as Lucian and Madame Grancini are, like, in a carriage together. Because we, we forgot to mention that Lucian helped... Quote, helps fight off the pirates. So, Lord Batman is like, Oh, you need to escort her to Paris to right. keep her safe. Um, so, they and end up in Paris. And she's happy to go because her papa's Because she Paris, might find probably. her papa. Um... And so a chapter ends with Madame Grancini sort of cornering her and be like, without even saying, like, I know you're a woman. It's, it's just like, I just have one question, my darling. Why? Yeah. And then in the next chapter, it's like, oh, I can tell because I'm in the theater. And so, like, I see the performance. It's very good. I'm sure you fooled a lot of people because people just see what yeah, they want to see. she did not fool but lots she, of people. Uh, oh, no, who uh, else did she not fool? Uh, the captain of the ship? No, she didn't fool him. She didn't fool the captain of the uh, ship because they used to know each other. Oh, used to know each other? Like, one time she was on his ship when he was she was eight. Dressed now, as a boy. Oh, that's right. The dad was, used to dress her up as a boy to take her to France with him to buy silks. It was still all full of bullshit, and I was upset yeah, 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 about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who else did she not fool? The spy who was also on the ship yeah. that, was a, that was, like, secreting um, himself. Claude Dupont. Yeah, fuck that character. That I don't want to talk about that British, character. British, but I forget his I British name. I hated Smith. Smythe. Smythe. I think Fuck that Smythe. character. I hated that character. There was also another lady spy. There was another lady spy. Yeah. Ooh, didn't do shit. I also hated that character. She, Why do I need to know these people? She Why was, do I need to know? She was only there for Lucy to be jealous of. Yes. Because she was I a hate. self-possessed woman. I hate it when what women was, are jealous of each other she, in yeah. these books. For no fucking for reason. For no reason. Like, like, oh my god, she's so pretty. I hate her already. I, Fuck this. Her name was like Mrs. Taylor or something. She would just show up. And I... and. We we aren't told, and and this book sort of alludes to the fact that Lord Batman is part of a society to help oust Napoleon, right, right, which right. is like the thin thread that connects these books. So Mrs. Taylor, Mrs. Jenkins, whatever her name was, um, like we don't know if she's actually married, but because she goes as Mrs., that affords her a lot. That basically lets her go about society by right. herself. Like, she doesn't need to chaperone. Right, because part of the big thing is Lucy can't go around society by herself because she's a single young lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is we are surrounded in this world by women who are obviously going about things all by themselves all the time. Right. Like, every other woman we meet is going about by herself all the fucking time. Yeah. Lucy's own mother is going around the world mm-hmm. all by herself the whole time. Because she's married. Right. Yeah. The The veneer of this is because they're married. But I'm sorry. Yeah. It is so loose and so stupid a veneer. I don't believe anybody in that world that was built could possibly... Like, I was, it just made me angry. Yeah. It's like, we're just striving so hard for that cookie-cutter moment where they are uh, seen in a room alone together. And to protect her chastity, we have to force Lord Adam Batman to marry her. And I knew that was coming as soon as we talked about how, oh, she couldn't, you know, she had to, you know, and it was like, that's... That, uh, 
Why? 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 Like, it just, this, ugh, I was just confoundedly angry at this book right. for so long and all the time. <laughs> so they fucking get to France and you know the opera singer right away is like you should just dress as a lady. This is stupid. Also I have so much money so I'll just be your patroness. And right. Just like I'll buy you clothes. I'll introduce you to society. Oh by the way Lord Adam Batman's mom lives in Paris so like let's just introduce you to her. And, and then you know what we find out fucking later? Hmm. That I was so pissed about. Lord Adam Batman's mother was childhood friends with Lucy's mother. It made no sense. They just show up. They just show, the, oh like, my dear oh, friend. I met my friend. And I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck this book. Fuck this narrative. <laughs> bullshit, 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 bullshit. Like, right. All, like, they're ho- talking the whole time about how Lord Adam Batman's father could be the link to their missing papa. Mm-hmm. Well, then why in the fuck not did her mother ever say, oh, well, let me talk to my friend from college who's like, you know, the lady. His wife. Fuck. Right. Who's in Paris. We right. could just fucking go. Right. And then, I mean, like, to tie it all up, there's there's a balloon exposition. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about, like... Oh, I figured out a way to keep white fabric white when it's a balloon, because when you treat it, it turns yellow. But my thing isn't water resistant, so I hope it doesn't... Anyway, this guy shows up from England to do his balloon exposition. He looks exactly like Lord Batman, but nobody notices. Yeah, except for Lucy, who's like, I'll go up in that balloon with him, and then I'll talk to him about... And yes, of course, of course. Of course. There was no looking It's the guy from the park. We just find him. He just shows up. There he His is. His name is Robert. We didn't have to detective this out at all. No, nothing. And in, and in fact, the things we did have to detective out was like, so at first he's like, I don't remember having a twin. Bam. Now I remember having a twin. Uh, and then we discover that he was like, he had been kidnapped by the Duke of Wardley's arch nemesis, who was another balloon enthusiast. Uh-huh. But like... The guy that helped the Duke design balloons ended up with the kid and raised him and never thought, oh, this guy that I know, my friend, is missing a kid. And I just found this kid who's the same age and looks like his kid. I'll just not tell anyone about it. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck the fuck off. Yeah. It was. Like, it got the, the it got so contrived at the end with like who was doing was what, who was where, terrible. and it turns out the father, the reason he Papa, dear Papa, was missing, dear Papa, was because he had witnessed a little bit of the transaction that caused the little boy to be missing, and because mm-hmm. he was kind of a witness. Uh, they had threatened him and the, his life and the life of his family. And that so if he ever stepped foot in England again. Right. So he just ended up marrying some lady. Oh, he, didn't they didn't get married. Like, like, it was actually real platonic. Like, at first they were worried that he'd fallen in love with this other mm. lady, but she had just taken care of him. Yeah. Which So, uh, and then he's like, but I cannot get back to London. It's too dangerous a trip for me. And they're like, oh, no, we'll just put you in a balloon. We'll take a balloon back to London. Uh, That's not conspicuous. At all! Or hard to cross the channel in a fucking balloon that we only invented 10 years ago. Right? Or 30 years ago because this book has not figured out timelines. Who knows? Who knows? And then everyone's happy. I don't fucking remember the end. Oh, they find out the guy 
that kidnapped the kid. They, I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah, no, I mean, it was endlessly stupid. And I mean, and the whole time Lucy's like, oh, Lord Adam Batman and I are now walking around together. He's got obviously angry at me for pretending to be a boy. And I was like, uh, yeah, he seems real angry every time also, he's like wrapping his arms around you. He never figured it out. He had to be told. Yes. But Bef- b- like after he sent Lucy to Paris, her brother shows up at his house and is ready to beat him up. And is like, you sent my, my sister's missing. Why did you send my sister? And Batman's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Even though the brother knew that she was disguised as a man. Yeah, why would he ever, like, I... Oh, it's so dumb. None of the character choices made any sense. None of them were actual characters. They, like, the most interesting things were just, like, there was no <sighs> real conception of what plot is or how to plot or how plot moves forward. Or how things exist in the world. No, and, like, it was just, like, we, like, and, like, I felt like the whole time the writer was frustrated because they'd started writing this other book, but they really wanted to write this other book. And and they, so that she just did. She just split the yeah. book between Paris and England. And when we were in Paris, we're right back to a normal body right. strip or whatever. If I were, like in charge of this series and someone had handed me this book, I'd be like, no, you're done. No, I you mean... Can, you can write a new beginning, publish your own damn book. It has nothing to do with this series. No, and things that are, like, not Batman. One, one of his parents is still alive. Uh-huh. Not Batman. Two... He has a brother. He has a brother. That he's... Because he's a twin, he knows in his heart that his brother's still alive. Right. Not Batman. Not Batman. Batman. Uh, three, soup's dumb... Soup's dumb. So dumb. This guy is, like, ridiculous dumb. Dumb to the point of being hard to follow. Like, why are we making this choice? And every time Adam Grassini was like, I know you're really hot for that guy. I kept thinking, why? Why would we be hot for him? Because he's he's real dumb. He's money. He's money and apparently tall. I don't know. Right. And now that we found the brother, he's not inheriting the title, so he doesn't have to do anything ever again. Never pretends to be somebody he's not. So, not Not Batman. Batman. Uh... And doesn't have toys, like things. He doesn't use. He doesn't his, have gadgets. Right, doesn't have gadgets. Not Batman. Not Batman. Uh, he does have a butler briefly. Uh, so here he has a, a a valet. He has a valet. So here's what's dumb. So he's in London mm-hmm. at his estate in London or his house in London, and he tells the butler, "I'm going to go to my other house." In Gothaming, except I don't know he has another house in Gothaming. This hasn't been brought up to me, the reader, before. All I hear is I'm going to Gothaming, and I think to myself, does Gothaming Gothaming mean that he's going to go do Batman things? Because that's going to be amazing. Because where do we get the name Gothaming from? From Batman, right? So I think that's what's going to happen. No, he's just leaves London and goes to another town. Goes to his where he goes to his estate there, and then has dinner. Which seems very nice. Oh, because and then he, he goes to a bar and has he dinner talks there. to his he talks to the old his old uh, nanny who he never apparently talked about his missing brother to before ever ever because he's like oh hey by the way who are those people that were in charge of me when my brother went missing and she's like oh you know that one lady I think she's dead now worst detective okay bye ever. gotta go back to London worst detective ever awful uh, I was so angry at this book it took me and you know how fast I read mm-hmm. like I read very fast it took me three and a half weeks to read this book <laughs> I would sit to read it I'd open it I was on planes I was on several planes planes is you, the best place you to couldn't read. escape 
I, I was sitting down with the book. I was like, now, read it now. And I'd read a couple of sentences and I'd be like, fuck this book, fuck this book, fuck this book. And I'd close <laughs> it and I couldn't even read anything else. I was desperately sad about literature. Yeah. Um, I will say two things positive about this book. Okay. One, when she first meets Madame Grancini... This, this is the sentence. Her voice was husky with a note of humor and a strong melody of Rome in its compelling depths. Yes. That was a beautiful sentence. There were some really lovely sentences. This one uh, made me angry slash happy slash I wasn't sure what to do with. Sounds about right. She says something like the glass slipper of memory. Oh. It Like it shattered the glass slipper of memory. And I thought that is almost a really interesting sentence. Almost. But you've ruined it by putting it in this book. Yeah. Um, another thing that I will say for this book is that it seems to have been tremendously well-researched. Like, this author knows the differences between different types of carriages. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of... There's a lot about ballooning. A lot about ballooning. Uh, a lot of idioms from the time. Yeah. Like, there's a bit where Lucian is walking through the park and these um, uh, fops are like... One of them is like, oh, Edgar, what about that boy over there? And the other one goes, oh, no, I don't go after Link boys. I was like, what the f-? I was like, oh, it, it was like a job at the time that, like, is non-existent because it was, like, little boys who walked around with torches that people would pay to, like, escort them around at night. And, you know, like, oh, she's, he's alluding to the fact that she looks very young as a, as yeah. a man and blah, blah. Okay, that's clever. You've done research. Good job. I will also say, like, whenever we approached homosexuality in the book, it was never gross. Correct. The characters were never grossed out. So yeah. Batman was not grossed out that he was attracted to Lucian. He was just right. like, that's an interesting thing. That's, that's interesting. I'm not a mad milliner. That was the right. phrase. And I was like, well, I... Um, right. But also, like, I think there was even an idea of, like, uh, lesbian couples at one point. Like, mm. like there's a little talk of, like, women getting together and, again, not gross. Just, yeah. like, that it existed in this world and people recognized it as yeah. existing. Also fine. And I liked that well enough. I would say that this Except author... Except that there were no actual queer characters. Right. Except for the fobs. Well, I would say that... Well, she, she also made a prison sex joke, which is, of course, a rape joke, mm-hmm. which is also bad. Um... So, but I would say that this author does know the time period really well mm-hmm. and knows a lot about that. Uh, I don't know if she knows anything about humans. No. I don't, she did, like, uh, our girl kept talking about things. <laughs> I was like, you could have easily just researched this. You can read. There are books. <laughs> Lucy, pick one up. Like at one point, she's telling Madame Grassini about her father's travels to the, you know, to the Middle East and where he was picking up silvers and things, or not silvers, uh, silks, silks and things from like Egypt and from Persia and mm-hmm. places like that. And she's talking about the things that he saw, like the, the types of pants they were wearing, and like she talks about, you know, sheiks and things like that, as if she's an alien to them. But I was like, no, your father went there. So I think you would actually know a little bit more than just this, like, bare minimum, which mm-hmm. is also very cartoony. Also, you have access to books. Also, you're talking to an opera singer. Right. This woman knows about these things. Yeah. Because there are operas from that time period about those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and she's a world traveler. She's so a world traveler. So she should be telling you about she these things. She obviously speaks, like, at least, at, we see her familiar with at least three languages. Yeah. She probably speaks more. Yeah. 
It, it was just, and I, the character choices never made sense. Like, I didn't know why they were making the decisions they were making over and over again. <sighs> we're done. Please. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So let's call an end to this book and move on to the next one. All right. So we're going to get to the next book. But first... We're going to talk about a network of podcasts that we enjoy. Yes, our friends have a network of podcasts called Let Me Listen Podcasts, and we think they're great and funny. You'll find such wonderful uh, comedy podcasts on them as a Narrative Comedy Brawl, Let Me Finish, and Ooh. yes, Classic Comedy Review Show, Late Seating. Ah. Um, also, I highly recommend a podcast I took part in one time that Bragging was super fun. much? Fact. Um, it's an improvisational horror comedy serial, American Monsters, and How to Destroy Them. Oh, that's an important life lessons. Fact. So where can we find all of these wonderful podcasts? Well, you can find them in all the usual places, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can also go to their website, lemmelistenpodcast.com. Great. Let's do it right now. No, first we're going to talk about the other book, and then go, go find their podcast. These are the things we're doing. Yeah. So, next book. Next book. Um, I'm going to shorten it. Love for the Cold-Blooded <laughs> by Alex Gabriel. Um, heroes, evil minions, and one hell of a conflict of interest. Being related to a supervillain isn't a big deal to Pat West. So, what if his mom occasionally tries to take over the world? All Pat wants is to finish university and become an urban designer. That he moonlights as an evil minion sometimes? That's just family tradition. Then Pat accidentally sleeps with superhero Silver Paladin, otherwise known as reclusive billionaire Nick Anderson. It's a simple misunderstanding. Pat never means to impersonate a prostitute. Honest. But soon Pat is on the is way in over his head and threatening to fall for the worst possible guy. When Pat's mother returns to bring the world to its knees, Silver Paladin races to stop her, and all Pat's secrets threaten to blow up in his face. Can Pat reconcile with the being a minion and wanting to be wanting a hero? Will Nick's feelings for Pat overcome the things that keep them apart, or will they both lose everything? Love for the Cold-Blooded is a light-hearted jaunt through the world of superheroes and villains, android dolphins, mind control rays, eldritch artifacts stolen from the tombs of ancient gods, and young men loving, not wisely, but well. <laughs> uh, so, Neil, what happened in this book? Um, so, I'm glad that I have continued the tradition of not reading the descriptions yeah. for the books that you pick. Like, <laughs> you just say, we're reading this, and I just start reading them. I don't read the backs. I do the same for yours. And I'm glad, because, like, that was that was it, essentially. That is what happens in the book. So, there, there are a couple things that are surprises, but are spoiled by the back of the book. Anyway. Okay. So... This book has superheroes. It does. Like it has real, real superheroes. superheroes and supervillains. Yes. Oh, it's great. Okay. So it it exists in a world I'm I'm assuming it's an alternate reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there are a few things about it. I like to say it's like an alternate now. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's future things, but also there's like the nineteen eighties existed. 
Yes. But yeah. not the same thing. It's like the older comic books where there's ancient magic, but there's also advanced technology. So you don't really know, unless you know when it was written, you don't know what year it actually takes place. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they have a different kind of money system. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it's, it's, it was a well-constructed world. Yes. Right? And something that I really appreciate about this book is that it sort of talks about, we see scenes of what it means to be a civilian in a town that's constantly being... The, the battleground between supervillains and superheroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a scene where Pat, and I think it's one of his sisters, are at a cafe, and then a supervillain attacks, and then it's like, oh, everyone knows that they have to stay inside, and then the the cafe has special cookies that they hand out to people to, like, apologize for the inconvenience of them being there when a supervillain attacks. And they're trying to, like, guess which supervillain is it. Which one is and which, it? Oh, which superhero is going to come first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I also love that Pat wants to be an urban planner because, like, that's a very lucrative career <laughs> when half the town's constantly being destroyed. Yep. It's great, especially because there's a superhero... Because there's, like, a group of superheroes. I forget what the name is. It's basically, like, the Action League or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of them is an alien with, like, super strength and lasers and stuff. He's, like, Superman. Yeah, but he doesn't care about collateral damage. And he's kind of an idiot. So he's, like, destroying half the town all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, a whole building is gone. Now we need an urban planner to, like, figure out what to do with this. And so it's like, oh, yes, of course. Like... It's imp- like you need urban planners. It's a very lucrative career to go into in this. But it, was, this it city. also made me think of every time I've ever seen like a supervillain in uh, a James Bond or anything else, like reveal like a mock up of a plan that they mm-hmm. have, like some sort of city, uh, like that's you know, like it's a model. And every time I'm like, oh, they came up with this, and it's like, no, 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 it was like one of their minions who was an urban planner. You yeah, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, like at one point he gets into like a moat and like what he would do for that moat and how he would build it and what would go into it. I was like, you do have to think about that shit. Right, and it was right. really, and like, and he, oh, we can use it to also support this ecosystem. And then it's like, oh, and the rivers in the town and like, how do we forget? It's, it was great. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is, um, we find out later that his mother was a supervillain, like one of the best supervillains. And she tried to take over the world and got stopped by her arch nemesis. And I love too that it, it's like, we discover at the end, it's not about like winning for either the heroes or the villains. And villains call themselves challengers. Uh-huh. And they call heroes hoagies. Uh-huh. Which I thought was funny. I thought so too. So the heroes and the challengers, it's not about winning. It's about like the fight with a worthy adversary. So his his mother lost uh, her worthy adversary. And of course she's like bummed about it. But she's also like, oh, he was so great. He was so fucking great. But she has like hidden herself away in the jungle to... Uh, now that the kids are grown up, he's the youngest of four. He has three older sisters. And now that he's in college, his mom's like, oh, because she took time off to, like, raise the family. She's gone back to the jungle to reassume her serpent form, yes. which has been going on for a couple years. So much fun. Her name is uh, Serpentissima. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going on. Meanwhile, he's in college, and to pay the bills, he's the night manager of the Anderson estate for Nicholas Anderson, 
also known as Silver Paladin, right. the superhero. Yeah, he seems very much like an Iron Man type guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, it's all in the suit. Yeah. He doesn't have powers. It's all, like, it's the, the gadgets. Yeah, he's a rich inventor. Yeah. So, in the beginning, it starts with Pat is on the night shift, and he, like, has to make pizzas that have basically been prepared for him. He just has to cook them and put them in the pizza box to send them up. And it's like, oh, it's super weird that, like, he wants it ordered from his kitchen in a pizza box. Whatever. And then the AI that manages the house is like, urgent request, urgent request. And then it's a recording of Nick Anderson in his lab just being like, well, just send somebody up. And Patrick's like, oh, that's that's weird, but he's asking for someone. He has a question. He needs help with something. So he goes up into his lab, and then Nick Anderson just, like, starts getting naked. He's like, are we having sex or what? And Pat's like, okay. Yeah, fuck I, yeah. I know I shouldn't, but this guy's hot. Mm-hmm. So okay. So right away they have sex. And it's great. And it's great. Um, something that I really appreciated is that Nick Anderson... Uh, doesn't have a giant dick. He is average. Yes. Well, that was, I love that part too. I loved it so much. So as he's entering uh, Pat, uh, Pat's like, his dick was so big. And then as an aside, he goes, I mean, it felt big because having a dick inside you feels big. It was a normal size dick. Right. And he's, he sees it. He's like, it's an average size penis. But then when he's like fooling around with him, he's like, Ugh. because we also find out, and this is the thing that I didn't like, is that Pat was a virgin. Yeah. And the whole book, it's like, I'm a virgin. I've never dated a guy, but I'm hot, but I'm a virgin. But I'm hot, but I'm... It's just that like, was one thing I didn't <sighs> like. It. Like, that, so honestly, like, there was a couple things that wasn't my favorite in the book, but I was mm-hmm. still fine with. That was the one thing that was, like, unnecessary. Right. There's no reason for this kid to be a virgin. Right. There's so no reason at all. There's the trope. I don't understand why this is such a thing. The idea of it being, of so one of them being a virgin, one of the couple, and it's usually the woman, um, is that we get to experience all of this for the first time with them. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean... Yeah, but how many of us had, like, angel choirs singing the first time you had sex? No. No, almost no one. So it's a way to be like, okay, well, my first time wasn't the best. Or maybe it was. And if if your first time was the best, good for you. Mine, Mine was fine. But it wasn't like the heavens didn't open and, like you know, it was, it was fine. It was, it's a, it's a big deal, but it's also now looking back, like it's not a big deal, but it is at the time. So, but I understand this trope, but he's having sex with a superhero. And later in the book, he ends up dating a superhero. So even if he weren't a virgin, even if he had had boyfriends before, this is a new experience. Yeah, and that's fine. That's enough. And it's even better because it's like, oh, well, when I take, when I normally take a guy out because I'm a poor college kid, this is what I do. This guy's a billionaire superhero. I don't know how to act in this situation. Yeah. And that's enough. Sometimes the virgin trope, too, is about the more like knowledgeable sexual partner teaching that other person about sex. And that wasn't happening at all in this book. No. Uh, Pat, our possible virgin, knew what to do. Yeah. He was perfectly knowledgeable. Right. Because it did it did say like he watched porn regularly. He jerked off regularly. So he he has been exposed to sex. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously porn sex and real sex are not the same thing. Right. 
but he had a point of reference. We'll say that. Um, another thing I appreciated is when they were just about to get down to it. Here, I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, no, I know what part you're talking about. Yeah. You are correct, and it is amazing. Um, this is Nick talking. Go on, suck my dick, you little slut. The words came out so fat, flat, almost bland, that they took Pat a moment to process. Um, suck my dick, you little slut. Seriously? The hotness of the idea was gone immediately, vanished in a cloud of awful, dirty talk, just like that. Yeah. And then, and then Pat was basically like, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go. Yeah. And then Nick was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll do something else. Yes. And then they have sex. And later he said out loud to him, like, that's not an okay thing to say. Yeah, he calls him out on it. Yeah. And we discover that this happened because when Nick Anderson tells his AI, send someone up, he means a sex worker from, like, he has a database of sex workers. So, but Pat didn't realize this. He hadn't been trained about this. So he's like, oh, so he accidentally sold his his body for money. Right. Because, and he ended up getting paid for it. Right. Immediately he's like, well, fuck it. As long as, like, they're going to try to pay, I should be paid. Right. So he just, like, creates a fake company. He has one of his sisters, like, create a fake company. Right. And at first when that happened, I was like, that's too fast. Like, that was, he just calls up his tech-savvy, like, sister and mm-hmm. just, like, she just creates his bank, this company and this yeah, bank yeah, account. Yeah. And I was like, no. But then you find out that they're all part of this right, because villainous this is family. Before like, we know, but uh, yeah. Of course they can do this fast. His then. sisters, especially his oldest sister, are all on board with being villains. Yeah. Challengers. And like, that's what we're doing. And Pat's just like, I just want to go to school. I, I want to be an they're urban so planner. Disappointed I, in yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. Nothing terribly interesting happens. They go out, they go to a frat party. Um there's condoms and lube. There's an actual... We see several fights between challengers and superheroes. Yeah, and it's they're fun. Great. Well, like, uh, like one of the first ones we see, which was that cafe scene, mm-hmm. uh, the, the challenger comes in and she starts destroying things and we don't know how yet because this like the whole thing about his family being villainous and his mother being, uh, being you know, the serpent lady, like, we don't find that out right away. We, it comes out is, in drips and drafts yeah, over the course yeah, of the book. And yeah. in a very well done way. Yes. Like it yeah, kept yeah, you yeah. interested but it didn't give you too much information. Right. So, but we find out he knows this villain who's come to destroy the yeah, town square. Like from his childhood. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, oh my god, look how tall you are. Oh my god, how yeah. are you? And it turns out she's come to destroy like the Barnes and Noble that's coming into the city because, because they're closing down the the local bookstore and she hates it so she's like she's like just... i want that lo- that bookstore i love it so much we're getting rid of this chain right and so she's just she does she's not even there for the normal takeover the world bit she's just staging a fight in the hopes that some of the collateral will be this chain bookstore that's about to open and it is it is, and it is. it's great um so then you know um uh nicholas quote orders or like request the services of Pat a few more times and they start hanging out because of course and I thought this was interesting Pat has access to the database of companions that Nick orders from and they all kind of look like him yeah and I mean like that's a thing that happens in the gay community (laughs) um 
there are men who just want to have sex with other versions of themselves. Right. So, of course, because Pat's different and sort of calls him out on shit, that's interesting to Mike. So he's like, oh, why don't you... So, um, Nick takes him to a frat party. They make out a lot. They almost have sex in, like... A, a library, library or something. where a bunch of other people are and in there having sex. The people are watching, and Nick is like, I'm not into this. I'm not into this. And Pat's like, surprisingly, I was. Yeah, who knew? Um, and so then they leave, they go pick up pizza, and Nick's like, This pizza's terrible. And Pat's like, Well, not every pizza's gonna look like, of course, pretending that he doesn't work for him. Like, yeah, not all pizza's gonna look like your fancy pizza. And it's like, Nick's like, What are you talking about? I order out, and it's good, amazing pizza. And Pat's like, oh, how about this? The first time you ordered out pizza, what did you think? And I was like, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, and then every time you asked them to do something different, it was like that every time you ordered pizza. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I think, so the thing that, like, Pat starts doing for Nick is he starts opening up his world because he's in, like, this cocoon of mm-hmm. money. He's probably also a little bit on the spectrum. Probably, but I I would say, like, there's so many protective layers around him Mm -hmm. of people who will just do whatever he needs to, Mm -hmm. but also, so then when he goes out into the world as a superhero, he's got this very black and white vision of right and wrong and Mm -hmm. what's going on, Mm -hmm. whereas Pat has, like, way more, like, he he sees, like, the good that the quote-unquote villains are trying to do, he sees the damage that the quote-unquote heroes are trying to do. Yeah, like there's one member of the hero team that he's like, I don't want to be in a room with that lady because she is scary. Yeah. And she needs to kill someone to, like, save the day. Like, if she needs to kill innocent bystanders to save the day, she's going to do it. Yeah. And that's not okay. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you got this feeling of the communities of the different, like, groups, which was so fun. Mm-hmm. Also, what was so fun was, like, uh, the genders of the villains and the heroes. Mm, like, it was mm-hmm. just, like, tossed around like it was no big deal. Whereas, like, it feels like it's such a struggle right now. Every time I watch one of the movies or I'm reading a comic book, it feels mm-hmm. like the abnormal is it's a woman. And yeah. in this one, it was like that was the normal. Yeah, it was pretty even yeah. across the... And it never... Yeah. Another thing that I realized just now when you said talking about the different communities between the heroes and the challengers is that... It seemed like the heroes only worked together because they, like, wanted to vanquish evil. Whereas it, all the challengers, like, knew each other and they hung out. And this pops up later that, like, they have each other's kids as their minions. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they don't, like, challenge on top of each other. Yeah, they, there's a very strict, like, They, they oh, wait for one to finish. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And be vanquished and then they come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so after this whole pizza debacle... Pat's there making pizza one night, and then Nick walks in and, like, recognizes him and realizes this whole thing. So then there's a blow-up, and then they smooth it over. And then Pat gets the phone call. Oh, it's your turn for minion duty. Yeah. So he goes to be uh, Sir Toby's minion. Sir Toby is great. Yeah. And his plan is he's found this, like, eldritch stone, and he's going to put it in a mind control ray to allow people to let him become the mayor of the city so that he can just make everyone polite to each other. And he's like, there's so much wrong with society and I want to fix it and nobody wants to let me. So I'm going to make them want to let me and then I'm going to fix the world's problems 
It's like, good for you, Sir Toby. And of course, he's like, all right, like the henchmen are in like three piece suits and mat, like satin masks and like. Yeah, he's. Sir Toby, as they say it over and over again, is very stylish. He's super classy. He's got pocket squares. Everybody's like, Mm -hmm. everybody looks amy. One of the things was, so the women minions are going to dress in these green dresses. But if they don't know how to fight and they can't prove that they know how to fight in a green dress, they have to wear pants. Yeah. 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 It was was great. It was super fun. And... Uh, and like he kept talking about how well run the organization was. Yeah, how much he really well enjoyed being minion for him because his, it was just so well organized. His older sister was the second in command, Lady Helena. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like, okay, we know you're in school, so your assignments will be at night and on weekends because we don't want to impede on your schedule and blah blah blah. And he ends up meeting like the kids of other villains, their minions with him, and it's like, oh yeah, I admire your dad's work. Yeah. Oh, I admire your mom's work. Let's hang out. And um, oh, what it was, cat yeah, something. Yeah, cat. She. T- they turned out to be good friends, and so it was. It was. It yeah, was. There was fun. even like another girl they were old friends with, and he thought, you know, we've never been single at the same time, really. Mm-hmm, and I kind of mm-hmm. like, well, maybe I'm single now, and he has kind of a crush on her, but he's like, ah, some other time. Yeah. Also, he's bi, and it's the smallest deal in the world. He's right. Just like, yeah, I, so I like being, everyone. So. so is being a homosexual. Yeah. He, like yeah. it's just, just being queer, being a woman. It, who cares? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is just this world. It's great. So then um, Sir Toby achieves his goal. Uh-huh. And he's just about to be the mayor. And we find out that the mayor is super corrupt. Yeah. So it's like, not all the good guys are good guys. Right. Um, so he's just about to become the mayor. And then this other challenger called Bitterfly... Her thing is she wants to take over the world because she thinks that people don't dress well. Right. And that the world isn't pretty enough. And she just wants to make the world beautiful. And she has... I I enjoyed her as a character. She was unnecessary for the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But she has a bit of a monologue at one point after she's been defeated where she's basically like, "I, I want beautiful things for myself and I want beautiful things for everyone. Why is that so terrible of me to want the world to be beautiful? Right. Well, and I think this came up a couple of times, and Pat says it several times. Like, his mom just wants to make things better. Like, yeah. all of these vil- quote-unquote villains just want to make things better. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think was brought up recently in, you know, with the Avengers movies or with the, Mar- or with the DC movies, too, that... So often, the heroes are just trying to get the world back to the way it was previous to the villains showing up. Mm-hmm. That what they just want is a continuity of same. They want they, to make the world great again? Ha <laughs> mm. But it's not that. What it is, is no. it's like, it's just like status quo. The heroes are always trying to return the world to status quo. Yeah. And villains are always just trying to change it. Mm-hmm. But so, which means that the hero isn't trying to make the world a better place. That it, the assumption is that the status quo is the way the world is and should be right. That which isn't always the case. right, and that there is no that this is how we should operate. Right, uh, and that the villains come in and they try to destroy that operation, which isn't true mm-hmm. necessarily and it was right. and this book really leaned hard into that right. in a really 
neat way. Right, because there are plenty of villains out there in, in fiction that are like, I want to rule the world because I deserve to rule the world. Whereas all of these villains were like, guys, shit's fucked up. I know how to fix it. Nobody's letting me. So I'm making the hard choices and doing what nobody else has the guts to do to make the world a better place. Right. But I do think uh, Nick had an interesting perspective in his black and white way is that why should this one person, this dictator, no matter how right they are, mm-hmm. be the person who makes choices for everybody else. Right, which is perfectly legitimate. And that, and that the world has been decided by this sort of awkward democracy of mm-hmm. people without powers. Awkward democracy? Awkward democracy. Mm-hmm. That without powers. And that these right. people who sit above shouldn't be the ones who are demanding of those people mm-hmm. like to do what they want. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that, well, that's also true. And yeah. Both perspectives made a lot of sense. Yeah. And it made this world feel really neat. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved reading this book. It was a lot of fun. So, so Toby has is about to take over. Bitterfly shows up. She, she has, like, sonic powers. She steals the gem. Um, and then Sir Toby's like, shit. Not only am I not going to take over... Also, if she tries to use it without the special, the right equipment, it's going to melt her brain out of her ears. Right. And I don't want that for her. Yeah. So he's like, okay, scramble. We got to fix everything. And then so he like splits up teams to go take care of things. And he turns to Pat and is like, you and your team go to my base, which, which was an office building. And Pat's like, you know what? This is a great base. I'm not in some damp cave. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. conducive to getting work done. So Pat has to go back and, like, clean out all the incriminating evidence and, like, secure all the tech so that they can, like, rebuild the, the mind control ray and everything. So Pat's there, and then Silver Paladin bursts in and catches him. Yep. And then they fuck on Sir Toby's desk. Oh my gosh. Oh my it God. was one of my favorite scenes. I loved this scene because right away, Silver Paladin's like, ooh, you dirty minion, you need to be punished. And then Pat's kind of like, okay, I can get into this. How are you going to punish me, superhero? And then um, Silver Paladin, his thing is force fields. Yeah. So he uses force fields to like, pin Pat to the desk and pull his pants down. Yeah, and move his legs apart. And Pat's like, this is great, this is great, this is great. Wait, why did he stop? And then Nick's kind of like looking at him and Pat's like, he's making sure I'm okay with this. And he's like, yes. And then they go at it. Yeah. And it's basically like bondage sex, but using force force fields. fields. And... It was it was really hot. It was it was very hot. It was super fun, and there was also like this idea that oh oh our silver pal- paladin he's like he's had a fantasy about fucking mm-hmm. some of these minions previous, and, and he is excited to implement. Yeah, and he says later he's like oh I've never had sex in my armor before, and mm-hmm. that was kind of a thing for him, and. Everyone consented. Everybody consented the whole time. So it was super sexy. And Pat's dialogue in this was joking. So, mm-hmm. whereas we could feel like there was rapey, torture, fantasy, possible stuff happening in here, we were removed from that because the whole time he was like, um, yeah, oh, no, uh, I'm sorry, please don't hurt me. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
you knew he was in on the joke mm-hmm. and consenting yeah and enjoying the fantasy mm-hmm. and that was yeah. delightful yeah so it never felt gross it felt like two people who were just having a good time mm-hmm. and the writer went out of their way to be like oh yeah he used a force field that doubled as lube and a condom yeah everything's taken care of yeah it was great um but then they had the bit of a blowout it's like so you're a minion can we talk about that and they like kind of patch things up and then and we knew this was coming the whole time pat gets the phone call from his dad and it's like your mom's back in her serpent form it's better than ever she's coming back she's gonna take over the world all hands on deck mm-hmm. and pat's like Shit. Because on top of that, he's like, finals are coming up. <laughs> I'm like in this serious relationship with a superhero who has a very black and white view of the world. And like, I'm doing what I can to change that a little bit. But fundamentally speaking, this will be problematic. Also, what are my parents going to say when they find out that I'm fucking a superhero? Yeah. One of the sisters definitely knows. Yeah. It is intimated that she, like, tells the other sisters. The sisters think it's hilarious. Yeah. Which I thought was out of character for the oldest one, because she was super into being a villain. Also, I found them hard, hard to distinguish between yeah. the three sisters. Like, I wish they had been developed more. Yeah, and there was sometimes there was other friend girls thrown in that were just for, like, talking with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, like, and I thought they were sisters. And I was like, wait... And then he was hitting on her. I was like, oh, God. Who? Oh, no, it's a friend. So then he goes back and got the tour of the lair was so <laughs> great. It's like, he, and here's the dungeon. And one of his sisters is like, I love dungeons. I have a very strong opinion about this. And then the other sister's like, okay, so your plan is you have this, uh, like, amber-like substance that trap superheroes and there's some magic in it so we'll work on that alien guy because apparently like technology and earth stuff doesn't work on him so it's like so it's magic because she her thing serpentissima his mom her thing is that she is like the embodiment of every serpent goddess that has existed throughout human history so she is like great she's great she yes she has ancient magic on her side. So one of the sisters is like okay so you're encasing the superheroes in this amber and you're gonna display them in your throne room why do you need a dungeon? And the mom's like, it's tradition. Like, we just have to, like, yes, we need to modernize, but at the same time, we can't do away with the traditions of the trade, so we have a dungeon. And it looks good. She she gives her speech, like, her practice, like, she she practices her speech on them, and she's like, I am so-and-so, I am this, I am that, I am the end of time. And they all clap, and Pat's like, what does it mean? I mean, it's cool sounding, the end of time. What does it mean? And she just shrugs her shoulders. She's like, like, I don't know, some some guy, like, she was talking to someone else. Some guy said it at a party, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I thought it sounded cool, so I just kind of took it. Yeah, it's great. Right. And then, so she is, like, serpent from the waist down, and then, like, human features from the waist up, but still scaly. Mm -hmm. And then she has, like, fangs that drip poison and bright red eyes. And I think it's so cute that for Pat, that is um, very comforting to him, because it's his mom, so that's what he grew up with. Yeah. So there's a part where he hugs her for the first time when she's back, and it's like... Oh, she felt warm and scaly, and he was so comforted by that. Yeah. And I think that's really sweet. I thought so, too. I really... I thought it was 
delightful. And though, mm-hmm. so you think of her like a 1970s sort of hammer horror um, villain. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's fitting because also all of her minions are dressed up as sex slaves. Yes. So, and they're sluts. They're the called serpent, serpent sluts. sluts. <laughs> but it's all men. It's all men. Who are like oiled Tight and black sexy. pants and oiled up lounging about her that, throne. And that's how she met his father. Right. And they are still so in love. And it's really sweet. It is. And he comes out all oil that he does not look like the other young men. And, and she's like, no, of course he's going to be the, what, it's like, not the head slut, but like, the, like yeah. the slut director, the, the slut the coordinator the or whatever. Sluts. And he's like, I don't know. Slut like, manager. Everyone's like, Pat's going to be the slut manager. And she's like, no, you're, you're my kid. That's weird. My husband is my slut manager and he always will be. And the dad's like, I don't look as good as I used to on it. Like, I appreciate that. He's like, I really I still do. Look- pretty good for a man in my 50s but 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 like no like pat's gonna take over i can do other things everything's gonna be fine (laughs) and and then of course the sisters like one of the sisters is in charge of tech and one of the sisters is like the the eldest is the second in command and so like they all have their jobs and then pat's in charge of the sluts because they're like okay we know that he's not really into villainy but we need him here because he's part of the family. Right, and the sluts so aren't meant to be fighting. They're just decorative. Yeah, decorative. They're, they're just there to like decorative. look good. Oh, it's so good. So then, um, oh, and at this point, Pat has tried to tell Nick several times that he is the son of one of the world's most famous supervillains. But Nick was like, we can't have these conversations, full disclosure conversations, because of like our tentative relationship. So then when the heroes burst in to her lair to, like, stop her evil plan. Which is her evil plan, which is kind of great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then they start showing up. She starts encasing them in her amber thing. She does all kinds of, like... We find out that, like, everyone has moves that have names, kind of like wrestlers. Yeah. And then she's doing her serpent magic with the the one hero that, like, is, co- like, kind of crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, That yeah. she'll kill people if she needs to. So they're Nexus. battling it out. Nexus. They're battling it out, and then they're, like... Oh my god, why, like, they're able to put a couple heroes and they end up calling it Hero Bane instead of, like, it was like, what should I call it? Like, Amber of Despair, Amber, so they have this, like, conversation well, about what it should be called. The sisters and the mom are having this conversation about how the fight's gonna go and what's happening, mm-hmm. and the whole time Pat's just on, like, texting Nick. Texting Nick. Like, he's not, like, he's uh-huh. like, even not paying attention, he's like, uh-huh, oh yeah, mm, Amber, in case an Amber. Yeah. I think you're cute. Like, the whole... <laughs> Yeah, my parents, he, they, the parents find out that he's dating someone. He's like, oh, my parents want you to come over for dinner. That scene was, oh my God, that's, sorry, to go back a bit. There's a scene after they've made up, they're hanging out in Nick's apartment. And Nick's like, my parents want to meet you, but you don't have to meet my family if you don't want to. And it's the morning after they've had sex. And then there's a knock on the door and it's like, Pat, it's your sister's. And Nick just starts climbing out the window. Yeah, he just goes. And Pat's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you said I don't have to meet your family if I don't want to, and I don't want to, so I'm leaving now. And he just climbs out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite things, like, Pat's like, oh, you will fall, and you will break things, and I will laugh forever. And I will laugh forever. And then inside, he's like, I mean, I won't. I'll be yeah, very yeah, sad if yeah, he breaks yeah. anything at all. <laughs> Something that I appreciated about how this book was written, that even though it was a third-person narrative, it was still written sort of like a stream of consciousness where, like, it would interrupt itself. Yeah. The narrative would interrupt itself when something new happened. And it's all from uh, Pat's point of view. Right. So it was it was really fun to read. 
Anyway, so there's the big hat battle is happening in Serpentissima's lair, and they don't know what to do. The the amber isn't deploying, so they're like, oh no, the other the heroes have split up and they've taken over the labs, so like we can't get any more amber. So then the serpent sluts have to try and detract distract like the heroes and there's so a, much is it's a huge fight and it's a, a huge it's fight. It's a lot happens. And it's pages. It's, it's pages yeah. and pages. The thing that bothers me most about books like this is a short climax. Like, if the final battle is, like, three pages. Yeah, I'm like, no. why are we even here? This is pages and pages. Pages and pages with, like, multiple steps. Yeah. They have to rescue all the snakes that yeah. are, like, slithering around. He's like, oh, my God, these new snakes don't know how to survive in a battle. We need to... Serpent sluts! We need to go save the little baby snakes. <laughs> I just imagined all, those, all of these very attractive, very twee gay men running about mm-hmm. gathering up baby snakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and going, oh! Like, honestly, I loved it. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. Uh-huh. And there's a, there's a scene where, like, the fact that Pat is oiled up allows him to, like, escape something. <laughs> oh, um, one of the other heroes, not Nexus, but the other lady superhero. I can't remember. I was like, I keep calling her Alyssa in my mind. He's stuck to, he got stuck to one of the other heroes in Amber, and he's trying, and she keeps trying to grab him, but he's oily, so he keeps slipping out of her grasp. Yeah. It's super but great. But anyway, the serp- ser- serpent sluts were great. They were great. So, and then, um, all the superheroes are, uh, sort of disarmed except Silver Paladin comes in and he and Serpentissima are fighting and they're going like blow for blow like they are obviously very evenly matched and Pat's like I don't know how I feel like I don't know who to root for I'm so very torn and then um is it Silver Paladin sees him and is like what the fuck are you doing here yeah 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 and then they all realize what's happening and basically they were like Serpentissima and Silver Paladin are like, or Pat's able to convince them. He's like, you guys are very evenly matched, so maybe we'll just call this one a draw. Mm-hmm. And Serpentissima's like, okay, like, I know you're dating my kid, so for his sake, we're just gonna, I'm gonna stop taking over the world today. In exchange, you need to promise me that the rest of your heroes aren't gonna try and take revenge for what I did. And he's like, yeah, okay, fine. So then the heroes leave, and everything's fine. And then Pat's mom is like, okay. Essentially, she's like, use your dick to make him evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then he goes and talks to Nick, and Nick's like, I'm going to use my dick on you to convince you to make your mom good. <laughs> yeah. So they're, like, he's caught in both of their machinations, but they're, they're both like, oh, no, everything, like, Pat needs to keep dating Nick so that... Nick and Serpentissima can both get what they want, and that's the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And they order in food and love each other very much. Yeah. they. Yeah, It was a lot of fun. I didn't really like Pat as a person. Uh, Pat was a lot of person. He was obnoxious. He kept being like, oh, does that look cool? Does this look cool? And like, you, like, your whole thing is like, you don't really care about what's expected of you. Like, you, you were able to, like, quote, come out to your family as an urban planner. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to come out as... Right, I mean, right, he, right, he right. just had to be like, I'm gay, and they're all fine with it. But he had to, like, come out as someone who didn't want to be a villain. And he did that, and he's happy with that choice for him to constantly be like, oh, does this look cool? Is this cool? Is this, Oh, I look so uncool. 
I, I was annoyed by it. I guess. Like, that... Like, I think what I was careful of was because he was so self-confident all the time mm-hmm. that sometimes that came off as really narcissistic. Yeah. And so sometimes when he was lightly joking or teasing Paladin, you know, Nick, like, it felt a little bit like, like, negging. And, and st- yeah, he's like, bro, you're so weird. Yeah, and sometimes Dude, you're that was crazy. upsetting. Yeah. Sometimes it was fine. And it was yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. just how they're talking. And you don't... It, it, the writer didn't actually write a lot of Nick's lines. You just knew mm-hmm. they were having a conversation. So you didn't know until later in the book that Nick was giving as good as he got. Yeah. But, um, but so that was a little, like... Yeah. So that felt a little off. It gave a lot of power to Pat... But what I did like about that is, like in so many of these books we read, uh, especially when there's a quote-unquote feminine character who's supposed mm-hmm. to be quote-unquote the weaker one. Like, who literally gets saved right. in a situation. Um, they are without agency. Right. But this is not true of this mm-hmm. book. And they, and they are without confidence. And mm-hmm. that was not true of this book. That was book. not true. Also, over the course of their... Um, Nick's and Pat's interactions Pat was basically like even if you think I'm a prostitute like you can't treat people like that right and that was and that came up a lot and I think they and I think also Pat grew as a person yeah over the course of the book like Mm -hmm. the Pat that started out at the beginning who was brash and who was pretty much just thinking of himself a lot of the time had to open up and think about other people and realize why his family wanted him as a part of the business Mm -hmm. because he wasn't confronted with any of that ever. And he needed his family for things. And so, and also he comes to recognize what is good in Nick. Whereas before Nick was a sex object at first, Mm -hmm. this is not one of those books where they have sex and they're immediately in love with each other. No, they're interested in having sex again. Yeah. But they're not in love. Mm -hmm. And that over the course, I felt like they genuinely fell in love through getting to know each Mm -hmm. other, which is Mm -hmm. something that doesn't happen in these books. There was that really great scene where Nick took Pat to the opera. And yeah, it was a little pretty woman because Pat's like, yeah, I never knew what opera was. You knew what opera was. Come on. Anyway. Um. And then they're about to, he, Pat gets snubbed at the opera and there's some woman who obviously is in love with Nick and is like a society lady and trying to win him over. And then Pat makes some comment and Nick's like, uh, I have reservations at this restaurant because the people that I'm used to dating, that would impress them. I feel like this wouldn't impress you. I don't know how to conduct myself in this situation. You're so different from everyone I've ever dated. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. And I'm like, good job having a conversation yeah. about this. So I re- And then Pat's like, you don't have to try hard. Like, I just want to spend time with you. So like, if you want to go eat at this expensive restaurant, great. They end up going to right, like, but, uh, the I, Turkish restaurant that's across from his apartment. It's like, no, I like that better because I know what that means. Right. But also like, uh, Nick, when, you know, Pat says, you don't have to try hard with me, Nick rightly says yes i do yeah you one make fun of me all the time (laughs) two you are always calling me out of my shit uh and three i obviously am super encased in this like world and i don't Mm. know how to move forward so yes i have to try hard because not trying hard was doing what i was doing previously Mm -hmm. and they're like okay yeah 
and it was nice. It was a nice book. I feel that it was a little too long. Yeah. Like I said earlier, the whole butterfly thing. And it we find out that she wanted to be called Butterfly, but then there was like a typo in a newspaper and it just stuck. I'm well, like, I think unlike other books that we read very recently mm-hmm. where I think the, the writer just lost hold of the fucking narrative and didn't goddamn know what even to fucking make happen next. <laughs> this writer enjoyed their world. Yes. I, I, yes. And it was well constructed. It was just like a little too much. I feel like right. some, some stuff could have been trimmed. Right. And bit. the thing that happened in that moment was Pat did learn that not everybody has control of their image. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he really genuinely thought before everybody did. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. learns how out of control so many people are. Yeah. And that's important. Right. So even though it didn't, it wasn't absolutely necessary, I think something did happen. Yeah, yeah. It was all nice. I enjoyed reading all of it. But, like, there were certain points where I was like, okay, all of this has happened. And then I'd see how much I still had left. And I'm just like... What else is going to happen? Oh, oh my God. When, when I got to 50% of the book and so much had happened already, it was like, I know the mom has to come back, but Jesus Christ, what else is happening? Right? It's like, <laughs> we know the mom's going to show up, but like, ooh. So even like I, who hadn't read the back of the book, where it says the mom shows up, like he keeps like having these check-in phone calls with his dad. who's like, oh, your mom's almost ready. Your mom's almost ready. It's been two years. So like, you know, it's coming. And, and of course it's happens at like the worst possible moment but like so much happens that it's just like yeah okay where am i going on this journey i kind of i kind of wish it it had been split up into two books yeah yeah i can see that i can absolutely see that uh yeah i mean but But it was great i really enjoyed reading it i really enjoyed reading it like it was it was a delightful fucking read yeah um, I would love to see this in like a graphic novel. <gasps> this yes. would be such a fun graphic novel to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think there's other books in the series. Like honestly, this was fucking great. It was great. Yeah. Neil. Yes. Let's play fuck Mary Kill with let's, the characters. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I have a a a real one and a funny one. Which one do you want? Um, let's do the real one. Okay. Claire. Uh-huh. Fuck, Mary kill. Serpentissima. Uh-huh. Madame Grancini. Uh-huh. And all of Pat's sisters. <laughs> that is also what I was going to give to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... Ooh, that's hard. It is. Okay, okay. I'm going to kill Madame Gracicima. <laughs> Gracicima. Grancini. Grancini. <laughs> I'm going to kill Madame Gracini. Mm-hmm. Blah, because blah. Okay. She was fine. She was very interesting. Is it just because you hated the book I so much? I hated the book so much. I liked her. I, again, I also liked her, but here are also my choices. Uh-huh. Uh, several characters I love dearly. And her, mm-hmm. if she was in a mix with Lord Bateman, mm-hmm. obviously she survives. Yeah, 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 yeah. But unfortunately, she's the odd man out, so she's got to okay. go. Okay. Um, and I think I'm only going to fuck um, Serpentissima. Uh-huh. Uh, she seems delightful, very motherly, mm-hmm. very comforting, but also um, she seems to dig sex. 
Like, mm-hmm. she seems to have knowledge and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. Great. Uh, all the sisters, same, but mm. also they've got skills. Lots of fun, different skills. And, like... One of them is a tactical genius. Uh-huh. One of them does tech, and the other one does a thing. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to be married to them. And I think okay. if I'm married to them, I'm taken care of. But there's also sex times, but there's also probably tasty food somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's also, like logistics if someone could logistics my life yes oh, that's thank true. you yes absolutely also we never said so their their names are helena zenobia and bodicea yes so they're like named after famous warriors in history yes. and pat's middle name i forget what it is but he is also named after a famous warrior right. yeah so yeah all right uh and you um i think i would kill pat's sisters mm. Um, if only because you couldn't tell them apart. I couldn't really tell them apart. They were kind of a unit, mm-hmm. which, you know, s- that's a trope in literature. And when it's done well, it's really interesting. Um, like, they were sort of Pat's point of reference for dating. Yeah. It was like the West sibling dating handbook. And because he was the youngest, it's like they imparted wisdom onto him of like, here's how dating works. These are like... Things that are entirely unacceptable of your date. Um, and then when they found out that he got into the fight with Nick, they, like, without prompting or anything, they came over with ice cream and, like, sad movies. And we're yeah. just like, we're just going to be here to help you feel better. Yeah. So they were great, but I couldn't tell them apart. So I'm going to kill them. Okay. I'm going to fuck La Grancini. Okay. Because she seems like she'd be fun. I feel like I'd get a really cool present out of it, too. Oh, yeah. She was uh, loose with her money. Yeah. Like, I'd get a new wardrobe or, like, a Fabergé egg or something. Oh, yeah. 100%. And she she flirted with every single man on the book, but you could tell that it was very calculated. Um, so, and I, I admire that about her. <laughs> I thought she was pretty great. Um, and then I'm going to marry Serpentissima, because she is great. She cares about family. Um, she's ambitious. Uh-huh. She could have taken over the world, but chose not to. And um, she, she is, even though she's a supervillain who wants to take over the world, she doesn't take herself too seriously. Yes. And I love that about her. Uh, she's on brand. Yes. She uh, is constantly on brand. Yes. And she mentions that too. She's like, well, it's on brand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Claire. Yes. Give me yours. Okay. Um. All right. Um. Neil. Yes. Fuck, Mary, kill. Mm-hmm. All balloon men. Okay. All spies. Okay. All the landed gentry. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to kill all balloon men. <laughs> Away with you. That's easy. <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm going to fuck all spies. Mm. And I'm going to marry the landed gentry. Because I, from what we've seen... Only like one in five of the landed gentry are worth fucking. <laughs> but I'd still like I'd get a title or something yeah. out of it. But the spies are sexier. The spies were sexy in this book. So if Lord Batman were an actual spy and a human being with thoughts and feelings and motivations, 
he I'd marry him because it's like the best of both worlds, but that's not on the table, so. Right. Marry Gentry, fuck spies, kill balloonmen. Excellent. Um, yeah. What about you? I think I'm actually going to uh, marry balloonmen. Okay. Uh, I like balloons. There mm-hmm. was a good reason. Well, you the- are from New Mexico. I am from New Mexico. <laughs> from Albuquerque. We have a whole fiesta about them. Uh, I will also say that was one of the things that attracted me to this book. On the cover, there's a bunch of people having fun in a balloon. Yeah. Yes, 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 in yes. In period yes. costume. Yeah, I'm on board. I love the lady with like her big wig and her little jaunty hat. And she's like, it's fun in the air. Oh, my gosh. They look like they are having the best time. Yeah. So, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, and I'm going to fuck spice. Yeah. Because fuck spies. Yeah. Like, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to kill the land of gentry. Great. Because I'm tired of them. I'm upset that's with them. Fair. They're the worst, apparently. Great. Sometimes, what the fuck, Lord Batman? What the fuck? Right. We've, uh, we've had a couple good ones. Most of the ones we've had have not been great. Yeah. I mean, the best podcast. one was the Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lady Evangeline. Uh, oh, my God. I love her. Lady Evangeline. Okay. But I have a bonus round. <gasps> what? 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 Uh huh. Because <laughs> I felt like that first book cheated us out of superheroes. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm going to direct this one to Christine. So new segment: Fuck Mary Kill with Christine. So fuck Mary Kill, the actual Batman, not Lord Bateman. Okay. Actual Batman, Spider Man, Iron Man. Oh, well, Spider-Man's a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. Are we talking about grown-up Spider-Man? We can do college. Okay. He's mm-hmm. he's over 19. Okay. okay. And a gymnast. I'm throwing that in there. <laughs> That's important to know. Yeah. I think I would probably kill Batman. He seems to have mm-hmm. a lot of emotional baggage. Oh, that is God. Just, yeah. And I feel like fucking him would just be so intense and not in a good way. And a lot of gadgetry would probably be in a good way. Oh. Too. And he wouldn't talk about it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. definitely seems like the, the, you know, we're not going to go into a consent conversation. He'd spring it on you. Yeah. 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 And like Alfred might be there too. Ooh. Watching. Yep. No yeah. bueno. Um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael. Um, and then... Little bite, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess so then I'd, I would probably marry Iron Man. I mean, he's yeah. also rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like a scientist. Yeah. Seems he's like a he's, playboy, though. Yeah, fair. I mean... But, I mean, you just want to fuck a college kid. And, like, yeah, I'm. Yeah, and we're not marrying a 19-year-old gymnast. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, no, we're not. That okay. is the wrong choice. No. <laughs> So I agree with Christine's choices to uh, you as well. Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with okay. that. I think there's there is something dark and gothic about Batman that I've always enjoyed. What? Um, gothic? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's you know, if we're thinking about worlds like that particular, you know, like there's something about it, but also like if we're doing the Michael Keaton Batman, mm. I mean that that Bruce Wayne was funny. Yeah. And mm. he could take a joke and knew a joke. Mm. And also he had fun with his money because yeah. he was like, it's meaningless because my soul is dead. So <laughs> there's so much we can do with this. See, for me, the only like regular exposure I had to Batman was the cartoon in the, I think it was the mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. where it was like 
quasi in the 40s. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, And the, I like that. It was all, like, very glamorous. And he was... He knew how to have a good time, that yeah. Bruce Wayne. Well, but I feel like there's a difference. There's, there's some Bruce Waynes that, like, know how to have a good time and they do it. Mm-hmm. And some Bruce Waynes that are faking that they know how to have a good mm-hmm. time. Like, the Batman of, you know, now is... Or not now, like the, you know, the previous Batman to now is not... Anyway, there's so many. Yeah. But that one was like, oh, I'm fake pretending to be a playboy just so that I can... Like, it's almost like the Batman was his real persona. But I always felt like the Michael Keaton Batman, he was also Bruce Wayne. Mm, was, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of why he chose bats for every fucking signal. He's like, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, obviously, Christine, you picked the right choices, because yes. we agree with you. Um, okay, Claire. Yes? The books. Ah! Would you fuck, Mary kill the books? I would kill one of these books. Yeah. And I would marry one of these books. Oh! I don't know if you can tell which one. Should You're going to marry the balloon it? one, because and of the fiesta. Obviously. <laughs> <sighs> Look, the missing duke... I get the feeling that this author has written better books and this author dumped this book into this series. Mm-hmm. Like, that this was, a, this was you know, needed to make some money, needed some cash to prep for whatever other book she was writing because I just felt like this was a throwaway. And I yeah. felt like it was... And I felt like she was probably not happy with what happened to it either. I felt lied to this whole book. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I did not feel lied to, despite that love for the cold-blooded was is a story built in lies. Oh. It, I, I delighted in it. I thought it was super fun, and it was great. I Yeah, I, I don't think I'd marry it, but I'd date it for a while. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, it really it was. It was enjoyable. It, uh, like, this is a theme for me. It didn't take itself too seriously, which means that already I'm on board. But, like, it took itself seriously in the right moments. Um, I didn't like Pat, really. Right. I, like, kind of didn't really care about him. Other than he was like, I'm, I have a long line of family tradition to do this one thing, but I want to do this other thing. And, like, I can appreciate that. Um... But yeah, it was it was really fun to read. I really enjoyed reading it, especially because I read that one second. So reading, I very general statement. I like the queer books better, mm-hmm. and not because they're queer, but they tend in so far what we've read. Very broadly speaking, I think we've had some good luck with those books. We've had good luck with them. The ones that we've picked have been easier to read Mm -hmm. have been more enjoyable to read Mm -hmm. um so going from the nonsense that was the missing duke to this one is like (gasps) yeah actual superheroes with actual powers yeah and like actual consequences yeah uh great okay and of all the characters who would you fuck who would you marry who would you kill um you know, I'd honestly, I think I'd fuck Silver Paladin. Mm-hmm. So, oh, he seemed like a good fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure, his uh, talk was not on point. And, of course, I think maybe Silver Paladin at the end of the book, not the beginning of the book. Yeah. Because he learned and, so much. And his verse. Yes. He and Pat are both verse. Yes. Oh, and bi. I think they're both bi. Um, 
I don't think it ever says what Nick is. I think Nick has dated ladies. Huh? Yeah, but it also doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah, it's open ended on purpose. Anyway, I think. I think I would totally fuck him. Um, ooh, the Mary question is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I don't know. I might marry his dad. He was super loyal. Oh, he was, he was really delightful. sweet. Yeah. Super sexy. It, like, I don't remember his name. I know. Me neither. I think they just called him dad all the time. Maybe. That sounds about right. I think she had to call him something. Anyway, I thought and he was like really good at stuff. I liked mm-hmm. him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, who to kill? Who to kill? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to kill Lord Adam Batman just because he's dumb. But, um, so I think I am going to go ahead and kill Lucy. Okay. Because it's her fault. Everything. She decides to do the whole Lucian business. She's the instigator of that book. Uh, that other Robert, Robert, the twin, would have been happy. Just fine. Just being a balloonist his entire life. because yeah, there's... He, in fact, didn't want to be a lord at all. Right, because there's a scene where Adam's like, we found you. You're the next duke. And You're the like, duke now. And he's like, I don't know how to be a duke. And I do not want to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and kill Lucy. Okay. Because she's the worst. Great. Great. And Neil? Um, I'm going to fuck Silver Paladin. Uh-huh. Particularly that force field sex scene. Ooh, it did seem like fun. It was fun and hot. I would not want it to be in an office where anyone could just walk in whenever. No, but Pat was into it. Pat was into it. But that was really fun. And by that point in the book, he, like, knew better how to comport her, himself with yeah. people. And so, great. Uh, I'd marry Serpentissima. Yeah. She was great. She was great. Also, she is magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's totally great. delightful. Um, with uh, Sir Toby as a close second. Oh, Sir Toby was, was pretty great. He was great. Um, and then I'm going to kill Lord Batman. Well, good. We've got them covered then. Yeah. Between us, that book never happened. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, before we go, Neil. Yes. Please. What are we reading next? Okay. So, it's... Like, you can try and guess, but hey, guess what? It's in the title of one of them. <laughs> um, so the first book is called The Spanish Pearl by Catherine Friend, mm. which is a great, a great name. Mm-hmm. The, the author's name. That's a really fun name. And the other book is Once Upon a Time Travel by Soraya Wilson. <gasps> We're reading time travel books! It's time travel. We're reading time travel books! It's... <laughs> Specifically, modern women who go back in time, <gasps> not to medieval Scotland. Because oh, that's a whole other that's genre. A like, whole thing. I'm saving that for another episode. So this is modern women who go back in time <gasps> to not medieval Scotland, to it's other my, points in history. This is my thing! This is my thing! <laughs> I'm reading my thing! Yeah. I'm so very I'm excited. excited. Yep. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we should go. I want to go read now. Okay. Okay. Great.
uh, then I guess it's time. Uh, thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, um, please be sure to tell your friends about us. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that business. Um, because you spreading the word helps this podcast grow. And that's important to us. Exactly. Uh, as is your love. I would also like to thank our authors. Thank you, authors. Uh, we appreciate all the work that you mm-hmm. do. We're glad you put yourself out there. We're really honored to be allowed to read your books. At this point, I mean, like, regardless of how much I like the book, if I didn't have these books to read and this podcast to record, I'd be like, what am I doing with all this time? I don't understand. Yeah. My life is meaningless. Uh, and thank you, Christine. Thanks, Christine. Oh, lovely. Uh, always so lovely to be here in your state-of-the-art recording <laughs> studio with a cat. <laughs> um, and thank you, Neil. Thank you, Claire. All right. I guess I'll see you next time. You will see me next time. Hopefully you'll see me before that. Yeah, yeah, because we see each other all the time. We see each other all the time, and I wouldn't have it any other way. (sighs) 